the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, good afternoon and greetings. Thanks for coming along to the day before Thanksgiving ride home. My guess is there are fewer people on the way home, Mm -hmm. on the ride home, because people are taking an early vacation. I think people are probably sitting in their cars on McKnight Road or maybe Route Mm -hmm. 22 or, you know, somewhere Route 60 or something like that, uh, maybe waiting to get into a grocery store's parking lot. Yeah. Or... You know, maybe they're going to get something for their centerpiece, or maybe four more people are coming and they don't have enough plates. <laughs> Can you imagine what it's like? If you're out there, God bless you. Exactly. Peace be with you and patience as well. Exactly. Yeah? Mm-hmm. We have a terrific show coming up in our five o'clock hour today Surviving the Holidays with our mm. good friend Doug Birch. He's a writer, a podcaster from out in the uh, state of Washington. So we'll talk to him about that. Also, we're going to talk Thanksgiving side dishes, a couple that I have tried and believe are true. Really? Um, Also, turkey rules the table, but there's a poll that I read today that finds disagreement over some of the other Thanksgiving classics. You think everyone loves it, but maybe everyone doesn't love it. Really? A descent around the table. Yep. We're going to talk about it. And then uh, also, this day in history is the 60th anniversary of the death of JFK, Mm. C.S. Lewis, and Aldous Huxley. We'll talk about all of that ahead. This is The Ride Home. But before we do, (laughs) Kath always presents us with the top news stories of the day. So, Kath, please, the top four. At four. For Wednesday, November 22nd, 2023, number one. In the first major diplomatic breakthrough, and I'm hoping you've already heard of this, uh, since the war started on October 7th, Israel and Hamas agreed to a deal to free 50 civilian hostages in return for the release of 150 Palestinian prisoners from Israeli jails and a four-day pause in fighting. John, as I was cooking last night late, this came across my uh, news feed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I guess we're happy, of, of course, to see an, some agreement between sure. Israel and Hamas to yeah. pause their fighting. But 50 um, hostages? I, I mean, there are still two. 236 uh, being held. Uh, It also risks providing, I think, uh, Palestinians time to regroup. You know, the militants. But aid will be provided. Yeah. Yeah. Help Um, those who are in distress. Right. And also you... I'm sure the people who are being released from prison are some of their military fighters, and so that's going to complicate things as well. Anyway, according to today's Wall Street Journal, the fighting continues today, though, with Israel carrying out targeted raids in the Gaza Strip and Hamas firing rockets at Israel before the deal is expected to take effect tomorrow morning. Um, While Israel has largely established control of northern Gaza, it hasn't yet captured or killed many of Hamas's top leaders who may have escaped south, not to mention the fighters that are among the hundreds of thousands who've sought refuge in the south of Gaza. So I think, well, obviously there's going to be a lot more to that story. Praying for peace. Yeah. Number two, Abigail Moore Eden, a three-year-old Israeli-American girl whose parents were gunned down in the Hamas attack on October 7th, could be among the women and children released, according to today's CBS News. Abigail's great-aunt Liz told CBS this morning her family isn't sure whether or not Abigail will be released, but they're taking heart because there has been an emphasis in negotiations on women and children. So they're hoping that 
if she might be able to come home ahead of her fourth birthday, which is on Friday. Under the release deal, at least 50, all women and children who have been held captive for 46 days are expected to be exchanged. So hopefully we'll find out more details about that over the next 24 hours. Number three, an extremely venomous two-meter-long green mamba snake... I'm sorry to tell you is on the loose, but not in Pittsburgh and not even in the U.S., but loose in the Netherlands, police mm. said today, warning residents to stay indoors and under no circumstances attempt to ensnare the creature. Uh, police in a southern Dutch city of Tilburg said they were alerted by the Mamba's owner that, quote, he was missing a snake. <laughs> so crazy people who like to house dangerous reptiles are not exclusive to the U.S. No. It's a worldwide phenomenon. Yes. I'm missing the snake. There is a wanted poster that police are putting up with a mugshot of the mamba saying, this snake is very dangerous. Mm -hmm. And will find its way to where? Well, there can be, listen, I don't know, but if it bites you, uh, it can be a fatal outcome in less than 30 minutes. Mm. Okay. And number four, LeBron James scored his 39,000th point. That's so cool. I mean, how about that? Um, and the L.A. Lakers completed an unbeaten run through group play in the NBA in-season tournament. I mean, it's it's just... 39,000. It doesn't even make any sense. LeBron said, quote, I got congratulated by teammates and coaches, but I haven't had an opportunity to really wrap my head around what that means. There have been so many great players that came across this league since the beginning of time and so many great scorers. So to be able to accomplish something like that, the first of anything... It's pretty cool. That is wild. That is your top four. Are top you saying four. that he's the all-time scorer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 39,000 That's incredible. All right. I mean, we do make fun of Cleveland, but uh, they did uh, raise LeBron. They did. Right? They did. So. I mean, and they beat the Steelers on Sunday. So <laughs> right, which, uh, I hate to sorry. remind you of that, but it did happen. to keep our fun making in check. Okay, we'll take a, a quick break. Step away. We're getting underway with a Wednesday edition, the pre-Thanksgiving Ride Home Edition. Ed Glover will join us in just a few minutes. He's the founder, the president of Urban Impact Foundation. Stay with us. And so here we are, the day before Thanksgiving, which means there is plenty to do, see, and experience between now and Christmas. Ed Glover is with us. The Reverend Glover is the founder and the president of Urban Impact Foundation, along with his wife, Tammy, have been involved in urban mystery on Pittsburgh's north side for over 20 years. And Ed, always a welcome guest here. And, of course, as always, you've got a lot going on. Welcome to the show. Thanks, John and Kathy, and happy Thanksgiving to you and all those who are listening. God bless you guys. Terrific. Um, Ed, so talk about what um, what it's been like for Urban Impact. I mean, light up night was Saturday night. Now we're going into the holiday season. Uh, what's it been like, and what do you expect? Yeah, it's been fantastic. We at Urban Impact are working with children youth here on the north side for many, many years, and we're getting excited about an event that we're going to do called Light the Night, and that's going to be all happening on December 1st and 2nd at 7 p.m. at Christ Church of Grove Farm. So that's uh, something that everybody can come to. We call it the, the day when uh, Disney meets Jesus, man. It's amazing. It's, uh, it's a spectacular event. It really is. And I'd encourage people to come out and see it. Fabulous. Go, go a little further into this, Ed. Light, up, light the night, December. What, what were the dates again? Yes, yeah, de- December 1st and 2nd at 7 p.m. 
at Christchurch at Grove Farm. Excellent. Okay, good. Now, we know Christchurch at Grove Farm. Uh, that's a long way from Urban Impact on the north side. Talk about that uh, cross-connection there. Yeah, they've been, uh, the church has been partnering with us for now uh, 23 years. And we used to do it down at Allegheny Center Lights Church, but we outgrew the facility, huh. and there was a difficulty, be, you know, parking. So our partner church out there embraced us, and they got a lot of parking, a lot of places. It's a really big uh, sanctuary, and we we fill it up twice, everybody. So get there early if you want to be part of that. It's a great kickoff for the Christmas season. Wow! Coming up December first and second, seven p.m. at Christ Church at Grove Farm. It is Light the Night, which is put on by Urban Impact. We're talking to founder and president, the Reverend Doctor Ed Glover. Um, Ed, can you talk about what this means for the kids who are part of this production and uh, what's gone into that? Yeah, we work with it's over three hundred children and youth, and we have hundreds of volunteers that are part of it. We do an art academy, so these kids get an opportunity to learn how to dance, sing, play instruments. We have a jazz band and an orchestra cool. and a bucket band, which is awesome. And we give uh, music lessons to kids that would never get an opportunity, really, to get an inst- play an instrument. We teach kids ballet and all kinds of other dancing um, venues that we have. We do acting, singing. We have We have a 80-voice middle school, high school choir. We have a 150-voice children's choir. We have singers that travel. So this Art Academy gives an opportunity for so many children and youth on the north side to use their God-given gifts and abilities. What we're trying to do is redeem the arts for Jesus Christ. So we teach these kids not only are they gifted, and those gifts come from God, but to use those gifts to really bring glory and honor to Him. So it's a it's a tremendous experience. And then when everybody comes out to see them, uh, over 3,000 people come, that what it does for those children and youth. And they do a fantastic job. We also build sets. We have a, we have a shop that literally we teach kids how to build and use yeah. tools and, and create crafts. And so we got a lot of kids' jobs through this. And they build a spectacular every year uh, set for the kids. It's, it's, it's a great time. And it's uh it's rewarding to see how God uses those children and youth. That's so cool, Ed. Redeem the arts for Jesus Christ. I mean, when you think about where we are, of course, with social media, with Instagram and TikTok and all that, I mean, we're taught the opposite of that in many ways. Maybe not obliquely, but, you know, uh, Jesus doesn't have a big place in the sphere of the online world. And if he does, he's kind of given short shrift. Um, this is the opposite of that, isn't it? It really is. I mean... We're really doing. We're, we have a, a, another gentleman that's come in, and he's doing a lot with film and video and technology, and we're doing a lot there. Matter of fact, we're, we're creating our own little movie. We'll see where it goes, but it's really exciting. We're teaching kids a lot about every aspect of media and arts that we possibly can. So it's a pretty exciting opportunity for children and youth. Fabulous. Ed, for people who are uh, not uh, not aware of the work that Urban Impact does, talk about that. I mean, I always love your origination story of where you and Tammy started this many, many years ago. I mean, you know, th- these are not exactly uh, suburbia. These are in many ways what people would describe as the mean streets. But you chose to be there and shine that light. And, of course, how many people have come to Christ because of you and Tammy's work? Yeah. You know, I was at Allegheny Center Alex Church for many years, and through that Ministry, uh, we, Sam and I, we, we first thing we do, we move down to the north side. We move down the street where four out of five homes were boarded up and unoccupied because that was the community 
that surrounded the church. And then about six years into it, I walked out of my house and my car was stolen for the third time. And, oh, gosh. And, and I remember looking down the street, Kathy, and I was saying to the Lord, Lord, you know, am I wasting my time here? Yeah, what are we doing? Yeah, what am I doing? So I said, Lord, you know, and and this thought came to my mind. How do you eat an elephant? And I responded, Hmm. one bite at a time. And the Lord (laughs) took my mind and helped me to see if I can impact one person, then one family, then one block. We we can transform the north side. So today, uh, there's no more homes boarded up in our neighborhood. We're still working with Allegheny Satellite Church, but we're also working with a lot of other churches and organizations in the city of Pittsburgh, and we're reaching – now over over 2,400 or 2,300 children and youth on the north side. We run 60-plus programs. Wow. And this, this past year, I'm really excited about this, over 594 children and youth responded to the gospel. And I, I'll say this to you guys. You know, we all know we've, been through, we've gone through some hard times in the last couple of years, COVID and a lot of other hard things going on in our country. Yep. But I really find that people are wide open to the gospel. They really, really are. And we're just seeing unbelievable things happen among children, youth, and adults, you know, through our ministry. Fabulous. We're talking to the Reverend Dr. Ed Glover uh, about Urban Impact. He's the president and the founder of it. Hey, Ed, um, your team is uh, the reason why this goes. Um, And I know that you and Tammy couldn't do what you do without, you know, a vast array of people who work with you. Can you talk about them? Yeah, Kathy, I so appreciate that because Tammy and I are, you know, just if it was us, it'd be about as big as you know a quarter. But um, so yeah, we have uh, we have uh, over you know eighty people that are on our staff, and we have forty three urban missionaries like Tammy and I. That means that these are folks that are willing to live in pits on the north side. They raise their support. They live in the community, and they're there to really flesh out the gospel every day. So we're in the schools, we're outside the schools, and then we have over 450 volunteers that we've trained, we equip to really come alongside of us in our sports programs, our art programs, our education programs, because we're in school and outside of schools uh, every day and doing a lot with education, and then we do uh, options. Options helping kids transition out of high school into life, helping them to go to a college, go to a trade school, get a job, go in the military, the ministry. And I'm thankful to tell you that right now, 100% of our kids graduate from high school, and depending on the year, 95 to 100% transition into one of those areas in life. Fabulous. So that doesn't happen without a lot of people committing to a lot of other people and, and serving. So i got a great staff and great volunteers. You know, the church in Pittsburgh is strong. It really is. There, People in those in the churches and in communities in general are wonderful people who want to make a difference, and, and it's exciting to come alongside of people and do it and do it with them. I, I really feel like we've locked arms. We're running the Lord's errands together for such a time as this, and it's really exciting to be part of it. I love it, and it's really it's it's such a positive thing to hear this coming from you. I was talking about this earlier today with someone. Well, you know, we serve a Lord who is endlessly creative. I mean, Jesus. <clears throat> He is all about the creativity in all of us, right? I mean, the, the creator of the universe. And so there, what you're doing with Urban Impact on the north side and beyond, all these hundreds and hundreds of kids for all these many years, I mean, what a fabulous thing to instill that creativity in young minds, to take it beyond the north side, I mean, to change hearts and lives for Jesus. Uh, just kudos to you, Ed. Really, just outstanding work. 
Well, thank you, John and Kathy. You know, I'll say this: we 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 uh, we bought a training a building now. We have like a training center, and we won two national awards for what we do. And now we're training people to do what we've learned to do in these over these 28 years. And we're training people. And I, I got to encourage you all, and those of you who are listening. I mean, God is raising up an army. He is raising up people for such a time as this that are going back into our cities, going back into uh, not only here in America but around the world. They're really going out there and living for Jesus Christ and bringing people and making disciples that make disciples. And it's been amazing for us. And we just bought this property, been doing it. We've already trained and equipped 50 people. They've gone to Pittsburgh, they've gone to other cities, and they've gone internationally. And it is amazing uh, what's going on. We also are given opportunities to do short-term missions trips now into Pittsburgh. And they can do those with urban impact. And we're really excited about that. We're looking forward to the summer. That's cool. So if people are hearing this and they say, I want to be involved in what they're doing uh, in the north side and around Pittsburgh, talk about how people get involved either for volunteer or staff positions. Or the event itself. Say that again, John? Yeah. Well, let's talk about the event but yeah. at the end. But I want to hear if people want to be involved in urban impact, how do they do that? Yeah, um, what, what, what we do a lot is we go to a lot of churches are involved, and I, I get to speak to men's groups and groups like that. We, they hear about us, and then they come, and we give them opportunities to be trained. We, we call it connections, and they come to us. We talk to them, help them understand, because we do sports, education, arts and options, mentoring, Bible studies, lots of things that they can do. And now, because we do a lot of service, there's a lot of opportunities to Food providers, right? You know, driving uh, buses and vans. And all. This is a lot of stuff going on. Excellent. It's really exciting. So we train people, and we bring them, train them, and then we equip them, and then we get them set up. So they can go online. Like we got a lot online. www.uifpgh.org. They can sign up. They can go online. There's different places you can do that, and we gather everybody together. And we train and equip them and, and then get them into areas that they want to serve. And, and we do things like you, you guys all know. We do Man Up Pittsburgh. And we do things like Light the Night and other things that we do that, that helps people get an idea about we, what we do. And we also have Urban Impact Sundays at churches where, they, where the churches allow us to come with our, with our uh, choirs. They come in with our choirs and we speak and we share videos and, we, and give the opportunity for the congregation to to pray for us, know how to pray for us, how to give to us, and also how to serve. So there's those opportunities as well. December 1st and 2nd, 7 p.m., Christ Church at Grove Farm, be there for Light the Night, which is the annual presentation by the Urban Impact Foundation. If you want to be involved, either uh, volunteer or maybe you're looking for a staff position or you're just interested in what's going on at Urban Impact, you can check out their website. That's uifpgh.org. Very nice. Thank you, Ed. Ed, always a pleasure. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Merry Christmas. Congratulations on the work moving forward. God bless you guys. Happy, happy Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas to you all, too. If there was such a thing as a comfort food museum, Dorcas Riley would be considered the founder and the mother of all comfort food because she uh, is credited with creating tuna noodle casserole okay, and sloppy joes with (gasps) tomato soup. You're kidding. And it goes a lot deeper, which is something you're here to talk about. Yes. So green bean casserole, Mm -hmm. I guess, was brought to the fore 
by uh, our friend Dorcas. Dorcas Riley. Now, mm-hmm. the name Dorcas is awful. Mm. And but it's I'm a sorry. it's a New Testament name. Mm-hmm. I believe Dorcas was an act. Am I right about that? Yeah, I think okay. you are. Okay. So the, this is a 1950. So post World War II America, right? Yes. Everyone's in, interested in ease, comfort, the modern age. Yeah, and using canned soups for things was seen as really, you know, new and edgy. Mm-hmm. Or maybe by some people, lazy. Well, I think people were looking at it as a great convenience and kind of a tribute to the modern age. Whereas now, when you're looking at cooking, people tend to poo-poo that because they think, well, you know, it's filled with... Loaded Whatever. with sodium. It's loaded with everything else. So you'd be better to make the sauce yourself rather than using the soup. But when Dorcas was around. This was it. This she Right. This is what she so was So green doing. bean casserole. What are the ingredients in a green bean uh, casserole? So the green bean casserole would have green beans in it. It would have cream of mushroom soup. Uh, the can of cream. Right. The can of cream of mushrooms. I'm doing this off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, it would have the uh, the fry, French fried onion rings on top. <laughs> Which and I think you might get a shot of lemon juice or something. Worcestershire sauce. Oh no, uh, soy sauce. A soy sauce, mm-hmm. right, right? All those combined. Right. That's pretty easy. So Dorcas Riley, her job was coming. She was cutting edge at the time. She was one of these people who worked like in an industrial kitchen and spent her days creating. Mm-hmm. Which I wonder if if there are people who still do that. Oh sure. Okay. I'm sure all these major corporations who are in food preparation have people who work as you know what i would say that it's a creative field well, yeah but i bet it's a fraction of what it was then probably so because there's with the advent of frozen foods and you know being able to just kind of heat and serve i bet there aren't as many people who are doing recipe creation now wait though this is part of your family lineage it right? is that someone who's part of your family all these major companies right, right? and all these startups are doing right. something like this right so my nephew uh works in management for hello fresh and so um, they're obviously they're doing recipe creation all the time yeah. because they're you know if you buy a subscription then you're getting your food you're getting your recipe you're getting Stop. your whole the whole nine yards. And you don't that. want the same thing, so right. you always want new and fresh ideas. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I think that's probably a fraction of the people who I think a lot of people like the heat and serve model. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Well, look at the rise. I mean, I still love a TV dinner. Once in a blue moon. Once right. in a blue a moon. Man. Give me a one of those. Man. Okay, but listen, this Thanksgiving, according to the Smithsonian Magazine, 20 million Americans will have green bean casserole. I'm sure it will show up on It our... has six ingredients. You know, that's all it is. Does it ever show up on your dinner table for, for Thanksgiving? Well, here's the thing. My niece uh, likes to kind of make it from scratch. Like she oh. does the, the green bean casserole, but the real, quote unquote, the real, real way. And every year, my daughter, Anna, has to make it Dorcas's way. Because it's just not the same. <laughs> so you have two <laughs> yes. green bean casseroles. Yes. Now, Dorcas Riley, who uh, premiered this uh, unbelievably popular dish, died October 15th at the age of 92. Wow. This year? Yeah. Wow. Just a short while ago. Yep. Yep. Um, she had a degree in economics, so she was trained to do this sort of thing. Originally called, though, the green bean bake. Mm-hmm. It didn't really take off until Campbell's began printing it on the mushroom soup can. Which I love those recipes that are still there. And I wonder if that's when pumpkin pie took off too, because the you know, Libby's if when you buy the pumpkin sure. in a can, it has the pumpkin pie recipe on it. Well it's very smart, right? It is I mean smart. you just follow these six easy steps or whatever and there you go. You've created something. Right. Um, anyway, it's endured over the ages uh, with 40% of Campbell's cream of mushroom soup goes toward making just this dish. Re- 40%? 40%. 
just for making this one recipe. Wow. I mean, isn't that incredible? I like a cream of mushroom soup. I like uh, no, I, I can't. No, do you won't ever eat it. Like no, really, it's too much with a can of like a, with milk, no. little pepper no. on there. Why, why is it too much? Because it's too thick and gloppy. Mm. It, I like it. It kind of gags me a little. Really? Yeah. Uh, in the Smithsonian Magazine, though, what's very, very cool is they have a copy of Dorcas Riley's handwritten original recipe card. In cursive. I mean, it's just, it's really, really cool. And her handwriting looks like, looks a lot like well, my mom's. Well, that generation. So right? yeah. I really love it. It says, she was not a flashy person. She didn't bask in the limelight. She just went in and did her job every day like most blue-collar people. Mm-hmm. And she said, I think food should be fun and food should be happy. Well, listen to how many people Dorcas has made happy over the years. I can't believe she also invented sloppy joes. Yeah, and tuna noodle casserole. That's all from the Campbell's Kitchen. It's really something. Yeah. Uh, So we're reading an article in Smithsonian Magazine, and they say, quote, she was not a flashy person. She didn't bask in the limelight. I know. I like that because Mm -hmm. it's green bean casserole. She just went in and did her job every day like most blue-collar people. Uh, I mean, can you imagine wanting to bask in the limelight of the green bean casserole? It does seem. (laughs) That's like, you know, I'm really proud of. I mean, Swedish fish or something. Well, it seems I mean, weird. Hey, hey, sorry. There you go. Thank you, sir, for your <laughs> green bean casserole. Do you like a green bean casserole? Uh, I, I, I do a dab. Okay, a dab. But would you miss it if it wasn't there? No. Okay. Would you, uh, Gary? Can I ask you to be involved in this? Okay. I want to know your feelings about the green bean casserole. Because you seem like casserole. a green bean casserole. Don't care. Don't, Don't care. care. Right. Have you had it? Yeah, I imagine so. <laughs> I can't remember. Okay, a little if dab you can't remember, there. then it didn't make much of an impact, no, for right, goodness right. sake. But it's one of those things that probably shows up once a year. Well, if 40% of the sales of this soup are just around this one dish? For Thanksgiving. Yeah. Right? I mean, my daughter's making it right now. Really? She's making it right now. But for the rest of the year, no one's going to make this, right? For the most Never. part. Unless, well, I pulled out kitchen... just last night in my pantry. I had... Uh, French fried onion rings from last year. Of course. Thinking that I would, who's someone's going to make it again? So I didn't throw them away. Are they still okay? No. Mm. They're probably I, sealed like hermetically. Right? I had to ditch them. Green bean casserole. Gotta love it for tomorrow. Well, good afternoon and greetings. Thanks for coming along for the uh, five o'clock hour of the ride home. We are happy that you are with us, no matter if you're coming home from work or out and about doing um, last minute preparations for tomorrow's Thanksgiving holiday. Kath, it's hard to believe that today, November 22nd, is the 60th anniversary of the assassination of John Fitzgerald Kennedy. I mean, 60 years. I still remember this. I was alive at that time. I was in first grade, and it still feels very, very fresh. And, of course, in the American consciousness, it'll, it's a day that will never go away. I find myself still fascinated by the events of the day with good reason i mean short of abraham lincoln this public assassination of a president i I don't think it's the high bar of shock yeah i mean you know after 9 11 of course another shocking day but to see one man executed in a motorcade in a celebratory dallas texas in 1963 uh, You can't imagine what it did to the country. It was so violent. It was so intense. And then a few days later, the assassin himself executed on live television. Those conditions and, of course, 
the beautiful Jackie mm-hmm. uh, Jackie Kennedy and the two young children, Carolyn and John John, and John John saluting the casket as it goes oh, by. Man. All these things. Jackie in her pink outfit with a pillbox hat, hat that was blood smeared. The assassin himself, Lee Harvey Oswald, with his ties to Russia and his... Uh, odd behavior after the assassination, all these things together. And then, of course, you know, the conspiracy theorists oh my in our own backyard yeah. here, Cyril Wecht with the magic bullet. I mean, countless documentaries and movies and books and all these things have propelled this to where we are right now, 60 years after the fact. The Warren Commission is, I don't know, uh, maybe a thousand pages. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's huge. Exhaustive. It's Yes, it's it's it published in book form. You know, you can probably pull it out of any library. But still, every year, hundreds of thousands of people across the country and the world visit Dealey Plaza. Hundreds of thousands every year. It's been 60 years. I hate to say it's on my bucket list. I'm, is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wait, Gary, you think – Gary, you've been there. You've been to Dealey yeah. Plaza? Oh, fabulous. I, I can't uh... – I got no. I have headphones. I can't really hear you. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I've been there. I was at a convention and got in a cab and decided since I was there, I should see that. And it was pretty amazing and eerie. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I bet it was. And pretty much the same same topography. Yeah. They haven't changed what it looks like, right? So I mean, look, everybody, even if you weren't around in 1963, there's something that's deeply horrific and haunting about that day. Right. Right. When I was in college, uh, we had a whole weekend uh, event like in November, right? Um, and I don't remember what year that would have been, as far as like what anniversary of uh, the assassination. But there were experts from all over the country that came in, and I went to every single. I mean, thousands of students went to these things mm-hmm. because it just—I don't know. It's there. There's there's there are so many questions about the uh, the. Players, like you said, Lee Harvey Oswald and Jack Ruby and, you know, the the topography of the grassy knoll and, you know, the John Connolly being in the front seat and the magic bullet and all of that. But also it speaks to this, I think, greater disbelief in what the government is telling us. Right. And, Perhaps for the very first time yeah, on display. Yeah. And so I think that all of those things mixed together with. To create something that still captures people. I wasn't alive. I've read tons of stuff about this over the years. I mean, the the image of Jackie Kennedy with that pink suit on. And what's fascinating is her refusal to change out of that pink suit because she said, I want people to see what they did to Jack. Mm -hmm. And to think about, you know, there they are. There's a really great documentary, a three-part documentary that's airing right now on Hulu. That goes, it's just, it's three parts, about 45 or 50 minutes each part. If you want to see more of that with archival footage, the, the, the twist on this documentary is those still few remaining survivors who were there. So they talk at length with Jackie Kennedy's Secret Service agent, mm. who still carries intense guilt that he wasn't on the back of that limousine shielding the Kennedys from the gunfire. And what happened in the seconds after that, where Jackie was trying to climb out of the limousine right. reflectively, and of course, you know, John Kennedy's brain splattered everywhere, the horror of all that. And the, if you're interested in all, it's a, it's a really great documentary. 
But I mean, here we are. People talk about, and I'm not necessarily true. This no, this is true about that day, November twenty second, nineteen sixty three, the loss of innocence mm-hmm. of America. I, I'm not sure I buy into that narrative because certainly World War Two and World War One, yeah, not the innocence of, of whatever that right. might have been. I think it's just a good tagline. But the public execution of the president of the United States and the the, the fascination with Lee Harvey Oswald. Just a really strange a str- guy. The connection with uh, the Soviet Union. Yep. Uh, the the weird relationship he had with his wife. Who was a Russian. Uh, and then the execution of him and Jack Ruby. Ruby and, the and Jack Ruby's owner. connections. Yeah. With, with the, the mob. Moth. Yeah. I mean. I mean, you couldn't have made this no, stuff up. No, you couldn't have. So no wonder it's right for conspiracy theorists and all that. Right, right, right. But I, I do believe, I believe that Lee Harvey Oswald was the lone gunman. Yeah, it seems like that's the... I really, it's the logical but thing. It's still to me. It is that was the luckiest shot in the world. Three shots. Luckiest. Yeah. I mean, well, he, he was, was a sharpshooter. Yeah, but he had a crappy gun. Yep. He had a terrible gun that was known for being inaccurate. And there he is. As soon as it's uh, the assassination is complete, he hides the gun, walks out of the depository because he wasn't under suspicion, goes home, changes his clothes, walks back out on the street again with a pistol. Kills a poor police officer, J.D. Tippett, walks into a movie theater where someone else sees him, follows him in, and he's arrested on the scene. And then he says on live television, I'm just a patsy, which ignites all the conspiracy right, theories. Right, right, which, which still exists today. And here, our fascination with the Kennedy family. Look, we're talking about I know. a presidential candidate. Exactly. And, you and, I, and you and I are ripping off these things without ever having to do any preparation for this bit, because this we, segment, because this is we just know it. Yep. Anyway, the same day uh, was the death of C.S. Lewis. Overlooked, yes. overshadowed, of course. Of course it was. How be- could it not be? Exactly. C.S. Lewis died at the age of only 64. He was in Oxford. He died of kidney failure um, after having an absolutely epic career teaching at both Oxford and Cambridge and, of course, being the author of... Chronicles of Narnia, Screwtape Letters, The Space Trilogy, Mere Christianity. I mean, countless books, it would seem. Um, also, Aldous Huxley died the same day. Uh, he died in L.A. of laryngeal cancer. He was 69. JFK died at 46. All three of those men passed away in the same day. And there is a, an outstanding uh, play, which is in book form, called Between Heaven and Hell, written by Peter Kreft of Boston College. And he basically did an imaginary take on these three men died the same day. They meet before going to either heaven or hell, and they have a conversation about their different worldviews. And it is a fascinating take on the three men and what they believed. So check it out. This day, November 22nd, 1963. What's the temperature at your holiday table? I'm not talking about the food, but the temperature between those who are sitting down sharing that meal. Some people uh, would say the temperature is cool in the room. Others would say it's hot. Others would say it's warm and comfortable. Well, how do you survive the holidays? Our next guest, Doug Burst, is back with us to talk about that, those survival skills. Doug is a writer, a podcaster, a pastor, the author of Posting Peace, Why Social Media Divides Us and What We Can Do About It. Doug, welcome back. Well, I'm so glad to be back on the show uh, with Kathy. And speaking of turkeys, uh, John, it's good to be with you as well. <laughs> oh, always a pleasure, Doug. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, yeah. I would have used ham, but it's not Christmas, so I, I stepped in turkey. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Sweet kindness. <laughs> so, Doug, have you had, um, maybe this is too personal of a question, bad Thanksgivings? 
Oh, no. Everything always goes perfect <laughs> at our house. Uh, and that's what I'm really going to do is help everyone, you know, live as we do. No, I think for the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, that whole it's a mixed bag and it depends on uh, what's going on. Uh, you know, by the way, right now I'm on a keto, low-carb diet. So the way I'm going to survive Thanksgiving is to lock myself in a room <laughs> and come out for two days. What? The, why did you choose to be on this diet at this time? Oh, well, I've been on it for a while. If I don't choose to be on it at this time, then I'm never on it. But, no, wait. Uh, no, you can't take a little break? Or, or will that, like, you know, scar your uh, innards? Yeah. I can t- you know what? I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about how this works, okay. the diet part works. Uh, because <laughs> if you think you could take a break during Thanksgiving, that's when you're in trouble. Uh, but anyway, I was thinking about this. You know, some of the ways we deal with Thanksgiving is what? You just sit at the kids' table and avoid all the difficult people. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, you know, you just invite Aunt Linda and Uncle Carl not to come or you tell them the wrong time or a different place. But <laughs> we got to we got to find a way to come together. So there's two groups I want to talk to. One is just your close family, because that's kind of different. Extended family versus you know family, wife, kids, sure. that kind of stuff. I think sometimes we make too big of a deal about the holidays and too little of a deal. And I'll say the too big part. If right now you're thinking, I really need to make this an amazing Thanksgiving or an amazing Christmas, it probably already is a sign that there's something you need to be working on throughout the year. Mm. And Thanksgiving is probably not the best time to try to fix your family. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the things that I see is, you know, there's conflict between a spouse, between the kids. And so you're trying to make this super magical, wonderful thing. And then everything becomes heightened. If that's you, if someone listening, like that's where you're at. It's probably a sign that you got to start working on these relationships January, February, mm. March, April, that kind of stuff. Right. So uh, with that, don't try to fix everything during the holidays. However, the holidays are a great time just to start the journey. So if there's conflict in your family, in your relationships, this is a good place just to start. And a great starting place is when you sit around that table or when people come in, just start listening. Start looking and seeing the room with God's perspective. I like to say, what is Jesus doing in the room? Or what would Jesus want me to do in the room? And for me, it's more trying to connect with that nephew that I'm concerned about or trying to reconnect with my older brother that I haven't seen in a while. And instead of trying to make this amazing event, ask some questions, see where they're at. And that will help you with the rest of the year with maybe how you engage your family. Mm, I think that's wise, especially when you compare what could result from asking questions versus pontificating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that's well, the, per- the, the person who pontificates on Thanksgiving is is the one who's going to bring all of the stuff that's bubbling under the surface up. Yeah. And I think that's part of it, too. When people aren't relational, they go to these habits, whether the habit is to talk about politics or the habit. Who knows what that is? Uh, But for me, I don't want them to set the agenda for the day. So I can be afraid. I can try to, you know, whenever somebody starts talking about politics, you can always talk about your favorite sports team. Uh, You know, what about the Mariners? That's what we say in Seattle, just to, you know, shift the conversation. But the bigger issue is maybe Uncle Carl's always going to do what he does. But I'm not going to let him set the agenda for the day. So I'm going to go off in the corner with someone else who left the room when he started pontificating and just talk with them or just listen and learn to ask questions that are just not about me, not about what I need from the person. Uh, That'll go a long way. And if you do it with the concept of, Lord, show me how to reconnect with this person 
uh, it'll do you a, a lot of good. I will say this, though. If you need to do some big thing, uh, you know, sometimes the holidays are a great time to say, you know, we're all gathered together here. I want to tell you what I'm most profoundly thankful for. And maybe that's a risk in your family to say something very sincere. Uh, do it. Do what you want to do, but don't expect others to follow. Mm -hmm. If you do it with the expectation now each kid talks about what they love. And again, you have a right to be who you are, to make it a very personal, deep, this is who I am. This is what I want you to know. But then just let it go. Don't expect that everyone else is going to join you with that kind of intimacy and honesty. That's really good. That's really good. Doug, uh, oftentimes, of course, you know, because it is family and often close family, um, you go from A to Z quickly, right? A, a misplaced word or a phrase brings up years, uh, dredges up old family history. And, and that's often the problem, right? That people are yeah. ready to bring all that family history to the fore very quickly. Well, it's so complicated, isn't it? Because it depends on the family dynamics. Anybody married to someone that when you enter the room of their family, suddenly your spouse changes and they regress <laughs> back to when they were 12. Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. Like, what happened? Where did my wife go? Where did my husband go? <laughs> uh, so one of the things that might help with your closest relationships is to set expectations up front, just to say that, just to say to your family, uh, you know, this is a stressful time for me, and I'm glad we're going to grandma's, but I get stressed out with this, and so I might need to leave early. I mean, just tell them who you are. Mm -hmm. One of the things I think is dangerous with the holidays is pretending, is lying. Now, you can't tell, you know, your uncle, I don't want to talk to you, get out of here. You know, you got to find a way to exist with someone who annoys you. But I think it's very important to say that. Like, I, I can, I'll tell my family, you know, I'm I'm kind of depressed. I just feel sad. It's not anything anyone's done here. And I just need you to know that. I'm going to try my best here. Uh, and if you see me kind of, you know, veering off into <laughs> dark territory, you have permission to come over and <laughs> remind me that that's not what the day's about. You know, mm -hmm. I think the more you can just tell people where you're at, especially the people closest to you, then you'll feel safer in the room when it just goes to, you know, whatever, <laughs> when it just becomes chaos. <laughs> you look over at your spouse, go, this is what I was talking about. You know, so that might help you. A little this bit. is what I told you about last year, honey. <laughs> when we first met. <laughs> we're talking yeah. to we're talking to Doug Bursch. He's the author of Posting Peace, Why Social Media Divides Us and what we can do about it. I remember um, I, <laughs> Doug, the first year I introduced the thankful box. Oh, no. <laughs> how old were you? When it... uh, well, I was probably 45 mm -hmm. when I introduced this. And um, I'm from a, uh, a long line of Polish people who don't discuss their feelings uh -huh. at yeah. all times. Instead, they drink alcohol. So, But you um, thought that was a good idea. I thought it was a good idea. So uh, I got, my, you know, my, my kids were smaller. And so we, we bought this box and we painted it and we put stuff in it. And, we were, and so <laughs> we introduced it, you know, during the hors d'oeuvre uh, section. And I was greeted with like about 10 <laughs> incredulous stares. Like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> So anyway, everybody did participate. And so after dinner, we read what people were thankful for. <laughs> and it was said like beer, wine. Yeah. <laughs> you got to know your room. You have right. to know the room. I think that's what I'm saying. I don't know if that was really helpful. That was just that was kind of dumb on my part to do that. Well, I wasn't I mad. I wasn't mad. I be... It was just kind of right. indicative of, of who of who we are. Were you hosting that event? So that was at your place kind of thing? Or? No. 
No, okay. Well, so, maybe you were wrong. No, here's you. the thing that I, I think about this is uh, it's okay to be who you are. I really believe that a healthy family should let someone be who they are. And if you believe, I want to present this, like even if others won't connect to it, I want them to know that this is who I am and I belong in this room as well. The difficult thing is if you have expectations to be like, you know, I did that. It was good for me. If you are doing something to get something from other people, that's when any of these things can be, I, th I think, harmful. If, if you know, because I'm very insecure. So if I share something and no one else joins in, then I'll be like, what's wrong with me? And they don't like me or whatever the thing is. That's probably not the best reason to do that. But if you want to facilitate something that no one wants to participate in, but you're <laughs> glad they know you, then that's good. Right, as that's long up as to you. you don't have the expectations. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so these are all excellent. This is a lot of wisdom here, Doug. But, you know, surviving the holidays, uh, there are many people, and of course, I think all of us, no matter the state, emotional or otherwise of our families, that you sit down and you look around and you go, these are my people. I love them. Right or wrong, yeah. crazy or yeah. sane. Absolutely. These are my people and I am happy to be yep. here. Yep. Yeah. And, and I think this is, you know, the last book I wrote, Posting Peace, is talking about how social media divides us and because it's a very unnatural uh, place to interact with people. And I think this might be the strongest thing is for some people, I just, our family loves getting together and we really have a blast and it's a huge home and it's chaotic for anyone who comes into it as a boyfriend or girlfriend. Like, oh, my goodness, this must be a cult. There's like 70 people here and we're all laughing and enjoying life. Uh, but some people, the tension is probably you just haven't connected at that level in a long time. It was more a family crisis. It was, you know, politics. And mm -hmm. so this is a great opportunity to do what you do well, which is to give hugs and to, you know, tell the person you love them, to give compliments, to ask about their kids. And I think if anything, we're just missing that sometimes because we're so busy. So even with really healthy families, I also would encourage you when you get together in large groups, sometimes it becomes general talk. Can you really try to just one person, one brother, one sister, someone to have a side conversation? Because sometimes we can have general happiness, but people don't really know what's going on. So make an effort for that if you want, if you want to find a little bit more connection. Excellent. Doug, I love you. This is really excellent stuff. I mean, okay, so... And I really liked from the very top, uh, Doug, you said, uh, don't try to fix your family on Thanksgiving. Yeah. I think that yeah. could be like, I, I could wear that on a t-shirt as people are walking in. We've got a savior. Right. Your job yeah. is to just show yeah. up. Yeah. Now I want to talk about Bidenomics and how to make America great again. So uh, I feel like that will be the most peaceful way to end this segment. So another thing you can do is say goodbye yeah. to people. You could just be like, hey, that's good. Yeah, Time that's what's home. happening right now, Doug. Thank you for that opening. <laughs> Hope you have a great Thanksgiving, Doug. Always a great pleasure here. Truly it is. Yeah, I love you both. All the best to you. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, love to you too. as well. That's Doug Bursch. Please check out his book. It is most excellent. Mm -hmm. Posting Peace. Why social media divides us and what we can do about it. It's so yep. it's and so great, good and so stinking necessary. And a great follow on social media as mm -hmm. well. Doug Bursch, B-U-R-S-C-H. Well, right after the uh, show concludes, I'm going to get in my car and drive home as quickly as possible because I got to get busy. Mm. So tonight, uh, last night, I already uh, announced that I was making my salute to the 1950s. <laughs> my, Is this a Jello port? Yep, my my cranberry uh, sauce uh, Jello salad with walnuts, 
celery, and port. <laughs> I want you to know that's complete. Tonight I go home to make the gravy and the sweet potatoes because nice. that's a make-ahead and also the stuffing. And then tomorrow should be relatively easy as far as prep goes. Excellent. All I have to do is cook a turkey breast. Um, my nephew is cooking the turkey and then, of course, I'm hosting. So what, what, so you're doing a full turkey and a turkey breast? Yeah. Why is that? Uh, just because, you know, okay, for yeah. variety and just to make sure we have enough yeah. food. Excellent. So your nephew's going to come in with a turkey yes. all ready to go. Yes. That takes a lot which of pressure is, off. I, which is really, really terrific. Now, the AP had an article today um, talking about how turkey rules the table. 32% of people uh, say turkey is their favorite thing on the table. Yeah. Okay? Of course. Stuffing or dressing comes in second. Mashed potatoes, third. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? I, I'm, I'm on board. Yeah. Okay. I love my turkey, the dark meat, right? I love stuffing. And again, I need it to be wet. Oh, gosh. Or moist. Oh. And the mashed potatoes, oh, homemade mashed potatoes. Oh, it has to be. Which I'm happily able yes. to smash them myself. Great. I love that. Lots of butter, lots of milk. Now, listen Cream. to this. Older people are more likely to like dark meat. <laughs> Why is that? 31% to 24%. I think, that, I think that's interesting. But you've been a recent convert yourself. Uh, I have. I really am getting to like <laughs> dark meat. There's no comparison. Because it's very easy to overcook the breast. Yeah. That's, that's a difficult thing. Um, People are divided when it comes to cranberries. Really? 80 million pounds are eaten over the next two days. Wow. 80 million pounds. But about one quarter say the canned sauce is preferable. Really? Yeah. There's no comparison. You make yeah. yourself a nice cranberry. It's so, And it's so easy. So a quarter say the canned sauce is the way to go. Mm. 22% say, no, it's only from scratch, which you and I are in that camp. Yeah. And one third say they don't like it at all. What? Don't like it at I all. I can't believe it. It's one of really? my favorite things Mine in the too. whole world. Yeah. Um, pumpkin pie comes in at number one. Surely. Pecan pie comes at number two. Mm-mm. I'm not a fan. Oh, I think it's gross. My wife loves pecan pie. Really? Yeah, I just, maybe, I don't know what it no, is. No, I can't do it either. Yeah. Uh, apple pie comes in third. Bingo. And then sweet potato pie oh, comes next. Nice. And my friend Brandy's bringing it. Excellent. Yep. I am very excited about the sweet potato pie. And then I think the biggest... Um, Conf- I don't know. Point of argument is whether you put marshmallows on top of the sweet potatoes. Yeah, I'm not going there. Now, listen. Thirty-two percent, according to the AP, say they prefer that whoever's making them forgets the marshmallows. Yeah, it's, it's unnecessary. Twenty-six percent want them, so that's a pretty good split there. Yeah, marshmallows with uh, sometimes people put cinnamon too, right? I don't like that. Yeah. No, I don't like that. Sweet potato. As now, it is. strangely enough, you'd think sweet potatoes and marshmallows, that'd be a southern thing. Yeah. But northerners, northeasterners are the ones that really like it. Huh. Southerners really don't. That's like eating candy. I think it's dessert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think I'd rather skip it. Right. Now, here, among those celebrating Thanksgiving, John, women are more likely than men to say they will do most or all of the cooking. That's no surprise. No. It's not an amateur hour in there. No, it isn't. Right? It's not. I mean, if you're a guy and you're walking to the kitchen, you better know what you're doing. Exactly. Because we, we don't want something. No. Just today, Get my, out of the way. Just today, my husband said, so what's, what's the plan for tonight? What are you doing? Yeah, and I said, "Well, I, you know, I've got to make my stuffing. I've got to do the beginning of the gravy, and I have to do the sweet potatoes." And he said, "So is this one of those things that, like, I can't Just, talk to you?" Right. I said, "Well." Maybe not, but you could sit there like we could be together. And he was like, well, maybe I'll just go to bed early. <laughs> <laughs> and not feel bad about it, right? right? Everybody knows their place, right? Yes. Uh, these are the rules that define a good marriage. Exactly. Uh, and, just... then, and then Friday, it's all about the leftovers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Bring it. I, for myself, the leftovers is the hot turkey sandwich. Yeah, that's very fun. Mm.
Okay, here we are. I mean, enjoy yourself. Happy Thanksgiving with your leftovers and your sides and the turkey, dark or white meat. God bless America. Well, about this time tomorrow, I think most of us have had our fill. Yeah? Mm, probably. Mm-hmm. My dinner is going to be starting at 5. Mm-hmm. So, oh, so you'll be in the yeah, mix of it. Yeah, I, 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 hopefully I will still be, we will still be dining. But and... close to the 6 o'clock yes. hour, you're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. can I fit one? The thing about Thanksgiving is there's this huge buildup, and then you find yourself, at least this is for me, I eat, and then I get full and go, I got that room for it? nothing else. Right. I that got room for nothing else. Yeah. This is one of those days where, you know, not to be gross, but you wish you had a second stomach. Yes, it's true. Now, do you eat early in the day with your family? Uh, we'll eat it. Uh, yeah, we're going to eat at 3 oh, tomorrow. So okay. people are going to gather at one thirty for hors d'oeuvres. Okay. And then uh, after hors d'oeuvres, maybe that's the problem. I'm eating hors d'oeuvres. And right. That probably has something to do with we'll it. We'll sit down and Limit gather. the nosh. Mm, yeah. I would suggest it. Right. Um, I feel like I want to share a couple of my favorite Thanksgiving recipes. I'll put them up on our Facebook page. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because it's not too late, right? No. Tonight's the night for cooking. I've seen this on social media where it kind of breaks your heart, where people are alone on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Whether by their choice or family circumstance. And people are looking for places that serve... Sure. Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, Bob Evans or whatnot, you know. I'd do that. I hope that if you are alone, you do find a place that mm-hmm. if you want to be with family or friends, that there's an extra plate available for you mm-hmm. at the table. You know? Yeah. Um, should we talk specifics? Specifics about the meal itself. Well, I, I just I want to share uh, how important it is from my perspective to make things ahead. Okay. Yeah, of course. Because planning. because Thanksgiving Day is very hectic, especially if you're hosting. And so the more you can get done the day before, which is today, mm-hmm. the better off emotionally I think you're going to be tomorrow. Right. Now, you've been doing this you've, today, but you've also been doing it over the past week. I have. Mm-hmm. Right. I started I started working on it last week. What about but cleaning? Tonight, but tonight's the big – well, cleaning's going to happen tomorrow morning. Okay. Yeah. But the big night for cooking is tonight. For me. Okay. So I have a favorite um, make-ahead mashed potato recipe that is so excellent. And it starts – most mashed potato recipes start with peeling potatoes Mm -hmm. or maybe not peeling them, but putting them in boiling water and boiling them until they're soft and then mashing them. This recipe is different because you bake your potatoes. You get your russet potatoes. You put them in the oven and bake them like you would be doing baked potatoes. And then after they're cooked – you scoop, scoop them out. You put the potatoes in your stand mixer if you have one, and then you mix it together. You add your cream, your butter, oh, that's interesting. all those things. You add that all together, and then you put it in a pan, and then you let it come to room temperature and put it in the refrigerator. And all you have to do, and I'm telling you, it is so delicious, is put it in the microwave for 14 minutes, and it's ready to go on Get Thanksgiving. Out. I have never made a better Variety of mashed potatoes. No, how many potatoes do you think you are part I of? I did this fourteen mix? pounds. Fourteen pounds. Yeah. All to, so. How long did it take you to bake fourteen pounds of potatoes? I had to do it. Well, fortunately, I have a double oven. Okay. So I was able to Plenty do it at one time. So it, it took an hour. All right. But yeah, it is really, really delicious. And then afterwards, you had all those potato peels. Yeah, but you put them in your compost pile. Mm-hmm. 
No, I'd still want to eat them. Oh, that you mean the potato skins? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you do it the, the way, I'm sorry, I didn't yeah. get what you were saying. If you're doing it the way I'm doing it, then you have potato skins mm. as a meal or as an hors d'oeuvre or whatever Forever. on Saturday or Sunday. That's very nice. It's so good. I like that. That's a great tip. Okay, very you, good. You put your cheddar on there and your mm. bacon and you're ready to go. What is, what's this recipe called? What uh, call it? It's called uh, make a. Uh, That's okay. My all time favorite make ahead mashed potatoes. My all time favorite make ahead. Mm-hmm. Very nice. It is so, so, so good. Mm-hmm. Um, I also uh, make my sweet potatoes ahead. Same thing. Yes. Cook them ahead of time. Yes. Bake them ahead of time. And they're candied, uh, so they're kind of sweet. Mm-hmm. And Brown I, sugar. I really, really, really like it. Um, they're they're buttery. They're extra saucy. The butter gets kind of caramelized and sweet. Nice. Um, but you can make the whole thing tonight, and then you can reheat it and cook and you know cook it and everything. Reheat it on the stove. Or in the microwave even tomorrow. I'm mm. telling you, it's going to be fabulous. I like it very, very Candied much. sweet potatoes. All right. I'll yeah. take both those things. Now, here's the thing I love about this recipe is you've got your uh, your brown sugar, your cinnamon, your nutmeg, all of that. Sure. Pure maple syrup. Mm. That's heavy duty. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it in there. And that mixes with the butter. Mmm. <laughs> Okay, so I'll put that one up also okay. online. Um, and uh, for the first time this year, and I'm not recommending it, I'm just telling you it's happened, is I did make a head gravy. Of course. I did make a head gravy. With I, what? I, I bought uh, four turkey thighs, mm-hmm. and I roasted them with vegetables in the oven. When, last week? Uh, I did it on Friday. Okay. And so they get the drippings from that. I got all the drippings from that, and then I made a stock or a thick stock with mm-hmm. with the turkey after it was roasted and vegetables, and made all that. And I uh, put it through a strainer, and it's been sitting in my refrigerator. I'm hungry right now. I know. I, let's go. I know. So listen, if you are interested in these recipes, I'm going to put Make Ahead Turkey Stock up on our Facebook page. I'll put the Make Ahead Mashed Potatoes, and I'll put the Make Ahead Candied Sweet Potatoes, and you can do them tonight and make your Thanksgiving so much easier. Outstanding indeed. So our, our hope is, Kath and I, that you and yours have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And then the middle of it all is gratitude mm-hmm. to our Lord and Savior for this time, this brief moment on earth, this choice that he chooses to give us, this incredible life, and that all those connections, family, friends, neighbors, all those, this nation, this world, these gifts that you have given us, Lord, we thank you. Gratefully, we come before you and say we praise you for who you are. For all of us, have yourself a great Thanksgiving. Jesus is Lord. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.